Hey folks, it's Jeremy. You're listening to Blamo. How you doing? This is um this is my podcast. Uh I also have a website, by the way, but this is my podcast. It's been a good week. You know, it's been it's been a good week. Little little busy, getting cold, feeling good, wearing my big coat. Um, recorded some pods this week. Had a good time. By the way, if it's a little loud right now, it's uh it's cause my mom is upstairs. For real. Um yeah, my mom's here. My mom came over for dinner tonight, and uh, she's she's upstairs. I was like, Mom, I, I got to record, so um, I don't know. See ya? Uh, but, man, she's loud as hell. Lo- love you so much, Mom. Don't know if you're listening to this, but she's just loud. I don't know. Love, love her, though. It's one of those nice things about moving back to the suburbs. Yes, you know, uh, as I'm sure. I, I doubt this is your first pod, but if you listen, I live in St. Louis now. It's weird sometimes, though, because uh, last time I lived here, I was 18. So now I'm in my own house, and um, I do stuff. You know, I do stuff here. Like, I work and I live, but it's just weird sometimes. It's, it's weird. It's weird having a house. I, I, feel, I feel weird sometimes. I'm back in New York this week. Coming monthly, though. It gets, it gets wild. Coming to New York once a month. Because, you know, it's, it's like I also live in New York again, but I don't. I don't even know what I'm doing. Whatever. Whatever, I'm an idiot. Uh, Dave Hill is here this week. Big, big Dave Hill. Man, this guy, Dave Hill contains multitudes, folks. Some folks know him from uh, his band Valley Forge, uh, his comedy, him playing with Adam Pally on his tour, touring with Tenacious D. He's, he's got it all. I actually met Dave when I did that show with um, Adam uh, a few months ago. Adam introduced me to him, and he's like, oh, Dave... This is actually a true story. He's like, oh, Dave, this is my friend Jeremy. He hosts a podcast about fashion. It's pretty cool. You should check it out. And Dave looked at me and was as stoic as, as he could be. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, yeah, I'm into fashion. And I said, oh, cool, for real? And he goes, yeah, dude, can't you see I'm wearing trickers? <laughs> Which was true. He was wearing trickers boots. They're sick boots. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a Northampton boot guy. He was also wearing a very sick neckerchief. Um, which, look, let's be honest, he looks like a total G when he was in his fit and he was on stage and he was just absolutely shredding on a guitar. It was awesome. It, it, it's wild how much more I love clothes when the people that are wearing them are just like, they're just doing their thing. Like, I, seriously, I think sometimes, I don't know if it's, if it's confidence that I'm attracted to about people or if it's just like their fashion, probably a combination of both. But like, sometimes you get dressed for the fit pick. I know, I know we're all out there. You're out there and you're getting dressed and you're like, man, this is this is going to look good when I take a picture of myself. But a lot of times, you know, people like Dave, he gets dressed to shred. He just gets dressed to shred on the guitar and make people laugh. It was great. So Dave and I chatted. He was fresh off his recent tour with Tenacious D. Uh, so Dave and I discuss his love and collection of hockey jerseys, getting fits off in neckerchiefs, shredding on the guitar, touring with Tenacious D and his new book, The Awesome Game. All right, let's dive in. Dave, you're what? You're in Calgary right now, right? Yeah. What are you doing up there? There, I'm at Calgary Word Fest, which is an awesome uh, book festival. I did it for my last book, and I'm I'm psyched to be here. I uh, it's a really cool city, and uh, it's sort of like you know a colder Colorado. Mm-hmm. Okay, Does that yeah. makes sense. Sort of in in every way, politically, everything. <laughs> <laughs> It's just everything moved north. My dad used to <laughs> tour and be in a band, and he said the coldest he had ever been in his life was in Calgary. Oh, wow. He's, he said he had never been colder. Yeah. Yeah, they don't mess around up here in Canada. It gets insanely cold. Yeah. Um. So, book. I do. Let's, let's jump into this real quick. Sure. What's This isn't your first book. It's my fourth book. Yeah, but this is your first that's solely about hockey, correct? Yes. I've touched on hockey in probably three, all the other books, I think, or at least a couple of the other books. Um, but this one is, is yeah, kind of exploring my love of hockey. And as a guy who I'm not really into sports at all, like I, I grew up not, you know, I pretended to like football, basketball and stuff, just kind of as social currency when you're a little kid, mm-hmm. you know, to show up at school on Monday and know what the 
score the Browns game was. And then when I, but I really only liked hockey and my grandfather's from Canada. So that was a sport I really got into and played, you know, as a kid and in high school and a little bit in college. And, and it's kind of like just revisiting um my love of the sport and also my frustration growing up as a kid in Cleveland, which isn't, was more of a hockey town now, but was less so when I was a kid. And there's only like two other kids who gave a shit about it in my school. <laughs> so, and it was in also like kind of using my, as an adult and uh, with the, my publisher's money, uh, using that as a way to have kind of adventures, uh, hockey-based adventures. Like there's one team in the entire country of Kenya called the Kenya Ice Lions. And I went and I played with them. And uh, in Kenya. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, and the way I found out about them is I'm really into hockey jerseys, which I is I'll say this is I know you're a man of style. Um, yeah, I acknowledge that hockey jerseys are I truly believe to be the lowest form of human dress. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, why? Because it's just they're sad. They're these moo-moos, really to wear them like just walking around. I mean, Snoop Dogg can pull it off, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but not many other people can just walk down the street in a hockey jersey. But I do love them and I'll wear them around my apartment or to the dog run. But I, I do feel like you can't show up for lunch or dinner, meet a friend in a hockey jersey. I think it's anyway, but I digress. But this, I was looking for like cool non NHL jerseys on the internet one night, and there was some website had like a list, like, oh, here's the 10 coolest jerseys. And one was this team, the Kenya Ice Lions. And I was like, Kenya must be some small town in Ontario that I've never heard of, you know? And then it, yeah. it turned out to be the actual, the country that the, the more, popular kenya and uh <laughs> yeah so the and the jersey's amazing i actually have it here with me um but i went there and it was it was so cool like i, I would what you know i dreamt that i would get to africa one day um but to use hockey as an excuse to go and go play and meet and become friends with these guys sort of a testament to the greatness of the game as i often say uh that bonding with people on the other side of the world and an unlikely not not very hockey uh not not much of a hockey country kenya given that there's only like about a couple dozen people to play it there yeah yeah i mean but it's funny t- to jump back the jersey thing hockey jerseys i feel like are like this like level 99 level of style and clothes into which once you feel you've conquered you know the suit and the classic menswear and all the contemporary stuff that people kind of fall into some form of athletic that they kind of repurpose into some cooler level of style you know i don't know like that that whole yeah where people are like, well, yeah, like, that's fine. You're wearing that. But I- I'm wearing a-, a soccer jersey underneath my sport coat or I'm wearing, you know, yeah, like th- this is. Yeah, I get it. But and it is. I don't yeah, know. it is kind of Jedi stuff. I w- uh, well, <laughs> our mutual friend Adam Pally was talking about that. He went to like this store near me. He went to like check out suits and the guy was wearing a soccer jersey under his suit. And he was like, he's like, man, I got oh, yeah. I want to do that. And. But, you know, I, I'll wear not any hockey jersey, but I have worn um, a, a hockey jersey with like a cravat um, underneath. Um, it's a really advanced move. And I don't even know if it's working, but it feels good. I've done it. Well, here's the thing. You wear that at shows, though, right? I mean, which makes it even more advanced. Because if you bust that out and then you're yeah, laissez-faire that you get to exist in. Yeah, there's a lot happening. Yeah, I did do it. The The first time I did it was at a show and it was really hot. It was like 80 degrees outside. And I was wearing a Quebec Nordiques jersey, defunct NHL team, yeah. one of the greatest jersey of all time, in my opinion, at least in terms of the NHL. And no, I agree that the Nordiques is such a good. Choice. Yeah, it's so great. And then I, I had this silk scarf that I got in Paris, and I was like, oh, this is perfect, French Canadian and French, and the colors were go. the same. They were cutting it, and uh, yeah, I uh, paired that with uh, some some sort of uh, a version of tuxedo pants and some trickers boots, and uh, unstoppable. Yeah, I, yeah, and I think it also helps too that you are playing guitar which you are yes absurdly 
in- incredibly good at. Thank you. Um, yeah. By the way, unrelated note, a friend of mine works with the St. Louis Blues, and I sent him your uh, your um, Star Spangled Banner video. Oh. And I'm like, yo, get this guy down here. And he was like, oh my gosh. He's like, you think he's available? I'm like, fly his ass out. I would do Pay it. Pay him some money. I just want to, yeah. I just want to do it. I think, cause I've been to so many games and I'm, they, you know, sometimes they'll have like some, you know, amazing performer come out and do the anthem. But usually I'm like, wait a minute, if they get to do the anthem, I should be, I, I gotta be able to do the anthem. <laughs> and then this year at the, you know, the season's just started this week. Yeah. So I'm just like, man, I got to get after this. And so, um, I'm hoping, um, it, th- thank you for reaching out to your friend. I'm hoping that, you know, and if I have to start like in minor league and work my way up, I'm confident, <laughs> you know, I, it just you got like the chops. The, I have the chops and just like, you know, just like the players themselves, sometimes you got to do a couple, you know, you got to play in the ECHL or the mm-hmm. AHL or the OHL, you know, you gotta, you gotta put your time in. So if I have to do that before I get to the NHL doing the anthem, Fine. But that being said, I am one subway stop away from Madison Square Garden, my apartment. So come on. This is true. Yeah. yeah Rangers so, should should definitely be hitting you up. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like uh, it has to happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm I not think we're, we're putting it out there in the universe. We're going to put it out yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I put it out there subtly. I haven't, I do, you know, and then I'm hoping that, you know, eventually it'll this, but I, I would like it to happen this season. I think, I think it's going to happen this season more than once, because I do think that specifically hockey is this sport that in a weird way, at least for someone like me, the nostalgia element is really, really strong. And that's not just because I grew up in the Midwest, but like, I still really love you know, I'm just going to sound dorky here, like the Mighty Ducks and, you know, getting into yeah. um, just just that. I don't know, like everyone kind of wants to be like, you know, the team that's run by Emilio Estevez and all that stuff. But in, <laughs> in a weird way, from hockey stuff to then video games, it was also like a sport that and it was never too big. So if you liked hockey, you were a little bit punk rock. You know, if you like football, you're yeah. kind of a jock. But if you like hockey, you're like, there's something cool about you. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is kind of, I, I totally agree. And um, and I think that's kind of like, yeah, what uh, I I grew up like, yeah, not a pretty, completely not not a jock in any way. Mm-hmm. And it was still like a big part of my life growing up. And even, you know, when I was playing on like the high school team, like I was this weird kid, like I didn't was like I didn't really fit in with any of the players. <laughs> well, what, what position were you playing? I played left wing pretty much. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah. I shoot lefty. I'm I'm righty in most things, but some things I do lefty and that's one of them. But uh but yeah, it is it is one of those things where yeah, it's kind of Well, I think also like for at least someone like me, my kind of like golden age of hockey in which I felt like hockey was the most popular and I mean, I'm I don't know, I'm almost 40, was like in the 90s. Especially because I grew up in St. Louis, we had Brett Hall, we had um, we had Wayne Gretzky for like a season. I don't know if you remember that Gretzky yeah. played for the Blues. Yeah, yeah, I remember this sort of weird uh, thing where you had Gretzky very briefly. Yeah. <laughs> But there was there was just this time of of like joy. I mean, and we were next to Chicago. So anyone who is a fan of like Chelios and um, Mm -hmm. the Blackhawks, there there was just like, you know, such a cool time in sports for that. And hockey was super popular in St. Louis. Um, Mostly it was like a rich kid sport because the gear costs so much. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the unfortunate thing about it. Um, that's sort of a thing like, you know, I try to like figure out why hockey isn't more popular in the United States. And, and it's, you know, the, it, it ends up being, I think the obvious reasons of it's expensive and, and a lot of our country isn't cold enough for, to really, yeah you know, and, but, oh, you know, St. Louis, I was just talking with someone about this, that, well, I know Gretzky moved to see he lives in st louis now what? yeah he moved there because his he? wife's mom lives there and they bought a house there and i think she lives with them and then brett hole lives there and then i don't can't remember yeah. who was telling me this but like they meet up at this bar and her like it's I, I, it'll come to me later but my friend's friend is like a waitress at this bar where the two of them come in and hang out and drink and eat and stuff and uh said that uh that 
Um, and, and they, and they really like her cause she's the one person that doesn't, that only has a vague sense of who they are. So they're, yeah. she doesn't really, she just treats them like a couple guys ordering beers. So that's nuts. You can exist in levels of, I, I don't think St. Louis people really freak out over, over folks. And, and when they do, even like someone like Ozzy Smith, who was a Cardinal Hall of Famer, one of the greatest Cardinals ever. Um, and people don't really care. In a good way. Like they, they they know who he is. They respect him. But there's not, I don't know, Midwest. It, it might just be a Midwest, Midwest thing because I'm sure someone else is going to be like, yeah, we live in, I'm from Davenport and I don't care about, you know, whoever. But I think yeah. there's there's a good healthy respect. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what's his, what's his face? Gosh, it's so uh, from the Cardinals who was also amazing. Like he just kind of exists and hangs out. No one seems to mind. But there's mm-hmm. not, I don't think there's big ego sports here. Like when I think ego sports, I associate that with the NFL and basketball. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think that there's, there's a, is hockey a little bit less ego or is that? I think so. I yeah. I mean, I think so for sure. I mean, all you have to do is like watch a hockey interview and I'm guessing there has to be like some coaching that goes on, like media coaching, because all their interviews are so, they're the worst interviews every, like whenever they... <laughs> They're like, they're just like, yeah, you know, we're just trying to go out there and uh, put pucks in the net, get, you know, get some shots on goal and pucks in the net and, and like, yeah, um, yeah, you know, you know, teams were just working together. Just all right. Thanks a lot. And they just kind of slink off. They're never, yeah, no, they never say anything beyond just like very basic. They don't have an opinion about anything. They don't, they don't stick their neck out. It's just like, it's pretty amazing. I actually at Google googled about it because i was like how are these interviews so bad always and they said someone said like oh no one they don't want to say anything they're going to get made fun of for later i guess and they just give these really mild interviews always like they you know the irony of it all is is a a poor interview or an interview that has no substance becomes something to make fun of (laughs) yeah yeah but in the, but it's like the whole. I mean, Sean Avery, you know, who played for the Rangers, he was like one of the few players who, you know, was kind of flamboyant mm-hmm. in any way. And it, you know, it kind of, it pro- I think it shortened his career because he was, you know, well, talking yeah. a lot of shit. I mean, who's who do you think are the hockey players now that people are talking about or are going to talk about? Because I feel like it's it's very team centered. I don't know. I'm I'm really yeah. trying to think, and I keep up with. Hockey I mean, there's a bit. you know, there's Sidney Crosby, there's. A, uh, okay, you yeah. know, Connor McDavid at Edmonton, Nathan McKinnon, Colorado, uh, you know, the Rangers. I mean, I'm the Rangers, I'm biased. I always like Mika Zibanejad, um, from Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's you know, he's a musician also. So, I, I'm always if I were to buy a jersey with someone's name on it, which I as a whole subject, I could, I, even as a kid, I was like, I don't want some guy's name on my back. Like, that's it, always Wait, struck why not? me as like weird. I was like, what? I'm not going to put my name because I'm not on the team, but I don't want some other dude's name on my back. Though, um, and the one time I did it is this player I was in. Um, I didn't talk about this in the book, but this player I, w- I was in. Uh, I was in Poland. I saw this team and I hung out with with some of the players. And, and so I was like, I'm going to order a jersey from this team and get this guy's name on it. And mm-hmm. and so I was waiting and waiting. And then I get a message from the whoever you know the shop that i ordered the jersey from and it was like their official fan jersey thing they're like hey uh do you still want this jersey i'm like yeah why wouldn't i and they were like well um and i guess the guy he was estonian and he had a russian passport and and the polish hockey league they're equivalent to nhl they wanted everyone especially russian players to uh denounce the invasion of of Ukraine. Oh, and yeah, most of them did, but some of them didn't. And this guy gave kind of like a very wishy-washy answer. And on the face of it, you go like, well, fuck that. Of course you should, you know, because yes, you should denounce that. But when you go like, oh, this is a kid whose family is, could be murdered because he denounced the war. Then you go like, oh, well, you know, maybe he was afraid. Yeah. So. Well, wait, so did you get the jersey? I did. Well, yeah, because they were like, do you want to? And I was like, well, do, can you just change the name or 
take it off. They're like, no, it's like silks. It's on there already. And then I, I couldn't tell whether they wanted, they thought that I should change it or they just wanted me to take the jersey. I didn't know where they stood, like what they were wanting me mm. to say. But I just said, you know, I live in New York and I wear, I'll wear the jersey around my apartment or to the dog run and no one is going to know. <laughs> what it is or who this guy is. No one's, it's not an issue over here. So I'm like, I don't want you to have to make, cause they were like, yeah, we're going to have to make a whole new Jersey. So I'm like, that's stupid to waste the Jersey just for something that's no one is going to know. Um, so I do have, it. are you still, are you still buying jerseys now? I do. Yeah. Like, what's your Jersey collection? I've pumped the brakes on it a little just cause I have probably about 50 of them. And I, well, there's a lot more that I want, but, um, my, Clothes and guitars are my two, if I can include jerseys in clothes, um, which I do and I don't. But um, that and guitars are my two areas of uh, where I, the only two things I really buy. And uh, I have two, way too many of both of them. (laughs) You can't have too many guitars. There's no way. How many guitars do you have? I was trying to count this morning (laughs) because I I was just thinking about it because like my girlfriend is really not psyched. Like, uh, because I keep, and this is, I mean, my inner like 15 year old is so psyched. But in like recent, you know, year or two, people start, I've been get people give them to me a lot more. And so, ah, okay, um, which is amazingly kind and generous. You know, sometimes uh, it'll be a friend or it'll be the company. But, you know, I'm like, fuck, yeah, I'll take that guitar. Like, I love guitars. Like for me, they're interactive works of art. So there's no guitar I don't want. You know, I might not keep one around over time, but I'm always psyched to have one come in the house. But my girlfriend is like the other day, my buddy Marzi Montezari sent me on. Uh, he play, he used to play with Phil Anselmo and his solo band. He was Nick Sorter for mm-hmm. a while. And he has like a, a signature model of a solar. It's like an it's kind of like based on the Gibson Explorer. It's like a badass like metal nice guitar that someone is. And he he sent me one of his guitars and which is so, so nice. But like it showed up and I and I tried to bring it in the house without my girlfriend noticing. But she was on the phone. Like I took yeah, it. It's, out it's of not the like box. a scarf you can put in your pocket. They're a little they're a little no, big. She she always sees it happen. Like but I try to bring them in like I unbox them in the hallway, take the box outside. Right. And then I kind of just walk, try to bring it in while she's on the phone or something. But she totally busted me and was, she just kind of rolled her eyes like, oh, God. But to, to her credit, like I did have it hanging on the wall and she was like, I saw that new guitar. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so she does appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, when when they're also gifts to you, because, you know, I have a good friend, but he has epic guitars. Like just, he's a guy, he loves to collect and the, his, his, you know, his MO is guitars. So he has, most of the guitars that he has are all custom made for him by people that don't even really make guitars for people anymore. You know, like, yeah, he's got, he has a wolf coming, um, Jerry Garcia's, you know, guitar maker guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he has one of those. He has a Stevenson. He's got, um, I think they're, I think they're Stevenson, but there's like this guy in Texas who makes guitars for all these people. Yeah. And, you know, just all of these things that are crazy. And I'm like, well, you know, and he plays them. He definitely plays them, but he goes to, there's, I think there's a a place in Long Island that basically sells the heavy hitter guitars, you know, the half a million dollar 57 Les Pauls and stuff. And, you know, he's got like uh, an audio kitchen head and a special audio kitchen reverb unit, all these handmade pedals, all this crazy stuff. And he just keeps collecting, you know, and I think it was interesting because as he was showing them to us, he was a little bit reticent. We were just like, you know, yeah, I don't even, this is dumb. I don't even know if I need it. And I'm like, it's cool. Like this is your, these are your baseball cards. Like I collect watches. I collect dumb stuff too. Like, yeah, but it means something to you. And I think like, that's really all that matters. The space issue is, yeah. is irrelevant at the moment, you know, but it's just like if if you care about it and these are personalized things made for you, then like in, in essence, they're priceless because it's not like you're buying them because you're hedging your bets against some sort right. of market or you want to flip them or anything. You know, it's just for the love of yeah, the totally. game. For- <laughs> Right. I mean, but yeah, I mean, he's got one of those like electric sitar guitars that was made by someone and he's got. Yeah. And it's funny because I hit him up and I'm like, yeah, dude, I want to get a new I'd like to get a new guitar. 
And he's like, well, why don't you try this one? And I'm like, that's $35,000. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm, I'm in yeah. you know, and he's like, oh, just buy the Ed O'Brien Strat, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever it was, the Fender. He's like, if you really, he's like, if you just want to go play and you want a weird guitar, he's like, go get the Radiohead one. And I was like, really? So, but I don't know. I mean, I, cause I used to play in a band yeah. for a long time. Love. I mean, that's, yeah, that's how we met. I got to play your incredible, your P90. Les oh Paul. yeah. Was it the soap bars? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that an amazing thing. guitar. I mean, it's one of everyone that plays it the best or one of the best Les Pauls I've ever played. It's like, it's so, but like, but the thing is like, I have that. And like, when I think about it, I'm like, oh, I don't need any other guitars. But then I'm like, wait, I got this one over here. I got like I, I have probably 10 guitars that I'm like, this is the best guitar on earth. That's what What do you got? I mean, I just got, you can I brag. just got this insane guitar uh, that I took, I did, I've been using for the last couple months. Um, I took, I had what guitar I used every night on the Tenacious D tour. Uh, this Illuminati guitars, AL, aluminum, like ALU Illuminati. They're based in mm-hmm. Asheville, North Carolina, and they were kind enough to send me um their so it's aluminum neck, lucite body, and the shape of the body is based on the Orion constellation or, or Orion space oh, wow. thing. And uh and it lights up. It's an amazing guitar. It has Lawler pickups in it, Lawler Imperials, it, not to go down too much of a gear wormhole, but uh go for it. And it it looks it, it plays amazingly. It sounds great. And then the amazing thing is they have this like state of the art crazy guitar. And then they put these lights in it. So there's a little switch on it that you know when you see the guitar, you're like, oh, that must be like coil tap or out of phase. But then you do it, sure. and the whole guitar lights up, and it's fucking amazing. <laughs> and uh, I have it right here actually. And um. And uh, it's just, I love that they made this beautiful instrument that looks, sounds, and plays so great. And then they're like, let's have it do something really stupid also. Which I think it's just a, a real <laughs> master stroke. So that guitar is, uh, and it's just so, so much fun to play. So that would be the one lately that I've been really uh, obsessed with. But I mean, you know, I I have a lot of Gibsons that every time I'm like, wait, this thing's the greatest, you know? I mean, um, I mean, the thing, you know, there's some amazing small builders like Illuminati and boutique companies. But then, you know, obviously the Gibson and Fender, you know, have issues over the years with quality control because you have they're these big companies and, you know, depending on who's in charge of the company. Um, yeah. But, you know, you do have decades of know-how and experience of all these um amazing builders so i mean obviously gibson and fender have made some incredible instruments um and i'm i do like fenders but i'm more i have some telly like you know boutique tellies i have a couple from carmine street kelly guitars to carmine street guitars you know yeah and then i have um my telly from Russ Guitars, which is matt brewster at 30th street guitars in manhattan he that i mean he made that's it's one of those guitars where you're like when you play it you're like oh i don't need any other guitar but then i then they then i have 10 others that i'm like oh this is you know they're all kind of they all have you know i have a dunnable asteroid which is kind of their take on the flying v um mm-hmm. and that's a total beast sasha dunnable built me this uh you know built it to my specs and it's like a frost blue and uh it's the only you know flying v style guitar i've ever played that is just like balanced perfectly sounds great resonant and you can play any kind of music on it like it's it's you could play you know the smiths on it if you wanted and then you could play Mm. you know metallica and it would be great for both so and and which is you know not an easy thing to do um yeah Wait, wait, wait a second. I got to get my bids in on the Bezel app, but more on that in, in a minute. I get all sorts of emails and questions from you all, which I love to read and respond. And one thing I constantly get and even read in the Blamo Slack is what watch should I buy and where should I get it? It's a wild world out there with all sorts of websites and shops, but I go to Bezel. Bezel is the trusted marketplace for buying and selling your next luxury watch with expert in-house authentication on every purchase. First off, folks, it's getbezel.com. That's getbezel.com. But I use and recommend Bezel because it's the best of both worlds. You can go to the site and browse a marketplace of luxury watches, over 16,000 of them, by the way, which is a lot. 
and I know that Bezel is going to authenticate your purchase. Or you can create an account and get connected with your own private client advisor called the concierge. Because look, making a watch purchase can be confusing, especially when you don't know all the reference numbers. When was this made? Did they use ceramic then? Is it a triple lop, dingle top? You know, what the heck? I don't even know. But they do at Bezel, and they're here to help. Concierge, baby. Look, if looking for your watch to mark a special occasion, or maybe you're just doing research, right? They even have their own journal where you can learn all the ins and outs about Bezel and the brands and all the stuff that's happening right now. But back to my bids. Yes, Bezel now has auctions, and not just any auctions. They got Rolex, they got Cartier, they got Audemars Piguet, all the big dogs, and more. So you can discover, bid, and know the Bezel team has got your back with verified in-house authentication. So visit getbezel.com on your smartphone or computer, Bezel, the trusted marketplace for buying or selling your next luxury watch. Do you think there are any guitars that like, you know, came out maybe a long time ago and they were supposed to be like the one guitar and it was going to do everything. And now they're kind of like laughed at. Like, I always think of like Parker guitars. You remember those? It was like carbon oh, fiber. Yeah, the you Parker could... fly. Yeah, the Parker fly. That was like I mean, the guitar that was supposed to solve the, the whole the whole world. I and mean, then it, everyone kind of clowned on it. It's supposed to be awesome. But I think, yeah, they just didn't look sexy enough to to catch on. And I mean, that's the really, you know, you could talk all day about how stuff sounds and how it plays. But like, if you don't look cool what wearing it, then nothing that's over, you know, like, it's <laughs> like you can't be like, well, I don't look yeah, cool I with agree. this, but it sure plays and sounds great no sorry <laughs> like you gotta look good i uh as i like went nuts going through all these i basically fell into this beatles rabbit hole i don't know like about a year ago and just went nuts through every biography and through every you know and the the ocd person in me was like well i wonder how they got all these tones and it's like oh like they were getting you know like Lennon had this casino and then they would they would sand the finish down but they would have to tape up the f holes because um you'd get crazy feedback so anytime they were trying to like overdrive the guitar you really had to kind of um I don't know, like manipulate it in ways that were not natural to yeah. the instrument. And then, you know, I was like, well, what did George Harrison have? And then I was like, well, how did he get that tone? Like, did you ever find yourself going down those types of rabbit holes, like trying to emulate a tone from a specific artist? Or have you always just been like, I'll just make my um, own? Yeah, no, not to, like, I think there's, I mean, obviously, if you can do it, I think I just never had the patience to do it um but when it's mm -hmm. done when people accomplish that it's it's badass like i was just at my friend mike hickey's house and mike is an amazing guitar player an amazing guy in general but he i met him he was a guitar player for venom do you know venom the newcastle the sort of first wave of black metal but then he you know and he's in oh, carcass wow. for a while and then but he was joe bonamassa's guitar tech for years so there's a his Sure. Okay. Uh, just a sliver of his resume. But I was at his house a couple months ago and he has like, he's recreated Eddie Van Halen's rig in his house. Like the kind of sort of what he was doing, you know, in the, for the last 30 years or whatever from the, the Hagar era on. And you're just in his house. His mom's downstairs watch, trying to watch a movie and he's <laughs> cranking. <laughs> <laughs> three half stacks he has three cabinets and he's got like uh all this shit going on and it's you play it and you're like oh that sounds exactly like eddie van halen's guitar rig in the you know from the you know from about 1982 on or whatever damn no I've, i always got it's i mean i was never able to like nail any sound because usually it requires mm -hmm. gear beyond anything i could afford but seeing you know i i've gotten to like a youtube rabbit hole just watching like here is you know jimmy page's sound and it's like here's a b c d and e you know here's this and it's funny because you, you had mentioned you know you were on the tenacious d tour doing stuff with them i like jack black apparently has been able to uh to get uh to reproduce some of uh jimmy page's sounds through different stuff i mean oh, wow. i don't i don't know what his rigs were but Supposedly, I mean, because he's such a huge Zeppelin fan. Oh, uh, wow. And I don't know if he might have even, he might even have some of Jimmy Page's I gotta stuff. I got to talk to him I, about I, that. I don't know. Um, yeah, you should. <laughs> I will. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, it's that endless, yeah, the Jimmy Page stuff and like, and it's weird for how long I've been playing guitar. It's really only in the last couple years that like a buddy of mine taught me to like turn the tone knob off, like turn it all the way down. And then you mm-hmm. get like um, this insane tone I think like another friend was saying it's called the like Clapton called it the woman tone when he was like in cream or, you know, sort of pre uh, awful solo Eric Clapton <laughs> years. Uh, yeah. Not to take. I don't know. I, I don't mind veering off the road to hit Eric Clapton. But oh, uh, you can you can knock him right off the road. I, I, many yeah, people I don't. Are I, now. You're he's fine. one of the people I don't <laughs> I don't mind taking shots at him because he deserves it. Go for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he, you know, he, you know, obviously done some great things also, but, uh, but yeah, I just learned this like fairly recently to just roll the tone all the way off. And, and then you have this, and now I do that all the time, you know, like when I'm recording or even live, I'll do it. Well, I mean, playing your rig, even though it wasn't like that crazy of a setup, like when we played Pally show, it's, it is interesting how much better you feel playing a good rig, you know, and this is no shots of Pally or anything. Like he ha- he has some great guitars too. Oh, but yeah, when totally. I was like playing your guitar and your setup and you're like, oh, like I feel kind of invincible. I mean, the tone was, it was incredible. And it wasn't like, oh, they just ran me through a better channel on their board out there. Like, no, like, I mean, that was Paul. I think what was, you had like a, was it a blues junior or like a blues deluxe or something you had? A little I don't even out? know. Probably like th- this is the thing, like sort of out of laziness and just, and also not having the luxury of like having a dedicated amp everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, t- I pretty much will use any amp and I run them clean. And then everything I do is off my pedals just cause like, like if I get in a situation like, well, there's a Vox AC 30 or some amp that I really right. love, I'll sit and tinker with it. But normally like I'll just put everything as flat as it can go. And then everything is just off whatever pedals I'm using. And I kind of swapped it. It's weird. Like being, you know, in comedy and music, I, I have like comedy pedal boards and then I have like full music pedal boards. So like for playing with Adam, I, I would have brought, that would have been straight up music because I'm, you know, right. trying to just serve his songs as best I can. But when I'm doing like my own comedy show, I'll have like some stupid pedals, not stupid, but pedals that do stupid. There's no such thing as a stupid pedal, but there is a pedal that does stupid things that are funny. I do have an envelope filter somewhere that I don't know why I ever bought it. So yeah. Oh, you gotta have, (laughs) you gotta have one of those. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, wait, so wait, what are, what are the differences? You said you, you know, is it just like things to do loops with or is it, um, yeah, like ring modulars? Oh, well, there's like pedals like my my favorite flanger um oh my is God, flanger. Paul Gilbert Airplane Flanger by Ibanez and it's a, <laughs> it has a great the flanger part is amazing it's like this throatiest just badass space you know rocket flying saucer shit and then but then there's this other button on it that does this loop of that you can change the speed of that overrides the whole overrides your whole rig really mm. um and it just goes like it does like a and you hit it and it just you, it just is funny to me um so i have that that's a good comedy pedal to have that and then i have a lot of earthquaker devices pedals which are great pedals and they Jeez. they make some pedals that do some that are amazing but then do they have this one called rainbow machine that does makes all these crazy sounds and then there's one called uh data corruptor which is completely you can make it sound like a crazy phasey octave thing or you can make it sound like uh the building is exploding it it it's kind of so on the tenacious detour i i got out there and i didn't just just to keep things simple i didn't have as many pedals and i got out you know we're playing these places like ten thousand people a lot of nights and i was like man i should have brought some crazier pedals and i'd wish i brought the data corruptor but then i ended up buying i forgot it and i didn't want to buy another one and have two of them so i bought this um we were in nashville and i went to the third man record store oh yeah they have these like cool collaborative pedals they did one with Mantic Flex, this pedal. And um, so I have that and it's similar to the Data Corruptor. And uh, and but yeah, it makes stuff. I like to just when something sounds crazy. Someone I was reading about someone was called like a what what the fuck is that pedal? It's good <laughs> to have that in, in comedy. Yeah, I remember people were really into 
uh, the whammy pedal. This is like maybe the, the oh, yeah. 90. The, it was it was was it Digitech? I, yeah, I think it was Digitech. Yeah, Digitech whammy pedal. And yeah, the biggest users would be Tom Morello from yeah. Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, and that then, was like yeah, the rage that's all over yeah. all those records. And then Dimebag Daryl from Pantera would be the other, to my mind, the other. Those two guys are the, they're the two Digitech whammy pedal guys. Yeah, but it's funny because you mentioned the, the comedy stuff. I still think, I don't know of any other comedian ever, honestly, who is as talented and, and as proficient you oh, are you. on the guitar, as well as being as quick verbally with the comedy. Because you're playing stuff that's extremely difficult and technical and then like mindlessly disconnecting from that and like doing, oh, you know, you. your comedy. And it's, it's, I think like, yeah, it, it's, it's really, 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 really good. And I, I really don't know anyone else who does that because there are people who bring a guitar out or, a, or an instrument out when they play, but most of them are not at the level you're at. And I think it's also because you've, you've had and continue to have a career as a just a musician yeah. separate from the comedy stuff. You know, it, it blends together at times, but you know, it, it's from your, from your bands to even, you know, yeah. your, your John Oliver stuff. That's like, mm-hmm. a, you know, out there. Yeah. Right? That's my band Valley Lodge. Um, well, thank you. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, there are some, you know, Brendan Small is an amazing player, you know, and he's, does both. And there's Mrs. Smith who I, I haven't seen doing stuff in the last year or so, but she's an amazing player and really funny. And Adam Newman. Uh, those are three great players offhand. Um, I'm probably forgetting, but it's really fun. I like to, I like to do both. It's also like just on a lazy level. It's just nice to leave the house once and be like, oh, I left the house, told some jokes, hopefully got some laughs and I ripped some solos, got to, you know, it's kind of like just doing all <laughs> the stuff that I like to do. And then you know, rather than be like, oh, I'm going to do stand up over here. I'm going to then I'm going to drag my band out over here. It's it's nice to just go out once. That's why I love playing with with Adam Pally so much is because it's like I usually will do my own set and then I'll play with him. And I love, yeah. you know, I love just playing the guitar and have someone else do the heavy lifting of talking and singing, you know, and it's nice to just kind of focus on playing. So that's a really fun night for me to, to do that with him when I can just kind of do it all. Where, where did the badass? you know person come from because i think a lot of your comedy and then in your characters and stuff online are just like overtly masculine (laughs) fuck you sort of like badass guys and it's funny because i remember like i was familiar with your stuff and then when i met you i was like oh man he's such a sweetheart thank you okay because i was a little i was like man i was like is dave gonna like clown on me the second i talk to him i was like oh man okay here we go then you're like hey what's up and i was like oh shush okay (laughs) um yeah i don't know i think it's like it wasn't anything like conscious that i did consciously it just kind of came about it's probably just probably just because in you know real life i'm just kind of a quiet midwestern guy and um so (laughs) Do you correct someone if they get your coffee wrong? No. I mean, I had breakfast yesterday in New York or the other day in New York okay. and they brought me the wrong order and I didn't even say anything. I was just like, okay, I'll eat this <laughs> just because I thought about it. And I was Wait, like, what? I don't know, like they're really going to throw this food out. Like it just seemed mm. wasteful and and like it maybe mm-hmm. wasn't ex- it, exactly what I wanted. It was fine. Like, and it was, was like, it literally, they just made my egg, like, I had asked for over easy and they brought me scrambled. And I don't, I don't really like scrambled eggs, but I was like, I'm not going to make them start over. It got through it. You know, these are luxury problems. I'm, I was lucky enough to yeah. be having breakfast in a. Oh man. See there, there's the Midwest guy. There it is. Where, where did that come from? Because I think that that's a thing. I wrestle with that, too. Like, there's a, well, gosh darn it, I'm just glad to be here. To where, like, no, they fucked up your order. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm kind of, I mean, so this is the kind of stuff I talk about in therapy, you know? Like, because... <laughs> I'm really like, um, not to keep bringing up the Tenacious Detour, but like, you know, Go they, for it. I had, they asked me what my rider was and I asked for, you know, some things, nothing too crazy, just some snacks and some uh, beer and wine and stuff. And, and uh, though, as soon as I got on the tour, like I realized like, oh, this is like a big tour in these huge venues, there's full catering 
for every mm. meal all like I don't and then you know after like, I talked to my agent like a couple days into the tour and I was like I feel this is wasteful like I I have all this food and I'm not eating all you know my buddy Niels that was on the tour with me we'd usually take the cheese plate with us every night and kind of have this cheese plate and this sweaty cheese plate in the car and um but I was like oh man I kind of feel like I shouldn't have all this food because I'm it's wasteful um <laughs> and he was like no man it's fine it's okay. yeah he was like well yeah. you know sometimes you're gonna have friends coming to the shows they might want a snack so i was like okay but i did feel bad <laughs> about it well think of it this way because a friend of mine's in a really big band and he he wrestles with this stuff too and the the response so i take no credit for this the response from his friend was like well look it's your job to be as comfortable and as at ease as possible so you can go entertain thousands and tens of thousands of people. So yeah. what is it that you need? So in a way, therefore, it's not wasteful. If you, yeah, if you eat true. it or not, but just knowing that it's there, you know you need an extra water, even though you might take it and leave it by the bathroom. But you need that water. It's not yeah, wasteful. Yeah. You got you to gotta have your head on. You know, you're good. This is true. And, you know, I, I for the longest time in show business, when, when anyone would ask me, like, what I wanted in my green room or whatever, I would always just be so like, oh, just some water and, you know, very vague, like some, mm-hmm. I don't know, a, a bag of peanuts. And then I was doing this. I can't remember what it was. And, and then... Someone was finally like, you know, I realize you're just trying to like not ask for anything, but like we're right. sending like a 22 year old out to get this stuff and you're being so vague. You're just making it hard on yeah. this kid. Like just say exactly what you want so he can go to the store and buy it. So then you go like, okay, I want this. You know, you'd say the brand yeah. of beer that you like or whatever. And yeah. then another time I was doing a show and I did the same. They're like, what do you want backstage? And I was like, I don't know, some beer, red wine, snacks. And they kept, they kept like, what kind do you want and you know i was having an eye and then i did the show and it was like me and um there's some you know famous comedians on the show and one of them asked for these two bottles of champagne and then at the end of the night they grabbed the champagne the cars came to take us back to the city and and he just grabbed the champagne and and i was like oh and he's like <laughs> And he's like, yeah, like this way I just have it all the time at home. And he was the nicest guy. And like, that's a Sammy Hagar move. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, Sammy Hagar kind of stuff. And I was like, I was like, and it wasn't bad. Like no one thought it was, you know, the people, the people that had gotten the champagne, they didn't think anything of it. And I was like, oh, this is really smart. Like he's just stocking up on this champagne for his house. Yeah. And I was like, that's brilliant. And um, <laughs> anyway, I don't know if I'll ever be that confident, but I re- really respected it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, Hagar's thing, he would get red wine and he would get like absurdly good wine and he wouldn't even drink it and would just send it to his house. Yeah. It's a smart thing. That's um, I mean, I've heard that. Yeah. Like a buddy of mine was uh, roadie for Danzig. Oh, like, wow a long time ago that during the like classic lineup and he said um and i think i'm getting this right and i apologize to That's anyone fine. if i'm not but Erie vaughn the bass player he would ask for a bottle of maker's mark or something like, like that every night and he would get it and then he would just fill a road case with unopened bottles of maker's mark and then when he got home he had like a year's supply of maker's mark yeah i mean Brilliant. it works yeah, and it's like what twenty five bucks or whatever that costs, and like when you're playing to thousands of people, the promoters doesn't care. Yeah, so <laughs> so this is why you have two hundred pounds of cheese at your house now, right? Exactly. We had <laughs> yeah, we we had quite a bit of cheese. Um, <laughs> you're like, damn it! I just brought this from the other night. <laughs> <laughs> we literally had. I had my buddy Niels. I. I kind of had a strict 24 hour rule on the cheese, mm-hmm. like any Fair. cheese that hadn't been finished. But by the time we got the next cheese plate was that cheese is done. But yeah. Niels was he, he was very like he's Canadian. So he would like hang on to cheese. He had like a day's day, very old cheese that he was still working through in the car. Oh, Badiah. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. Like the Tenacious D crew, because they, they they were out with like a pretty big touring group and then i'm sure you know jack's writer's got to be nuts not that he's some sort of you know 
difficult person, but just like you kind of, there's no, a level he's you're the used nicest, to. He's the maybe, he could easily be the nicest person I've ever met in my life. Really? I'll go on record as saying that. And say, I mean, all, everyone, that whole, the whole band and crew were so amazingly nice and welcoming. But um, yeah, he's a, an amazing uh, sweetheart. I mean, so is Kyle, so is everybody. But he he's, uh, you just think for someone who's like a huge movie star. Right. You know. We've all heard stories of big stars who were not always yes. delightful. Yeah. But he's an absolutely delightful, kind human being. Uh, like, ex- like inspiringly nice, where you see how nice he is and you think, I need to work on myself. Oh. And bring that light in light into the Can you world. give me an example? Isn't it? Oh, just amazing. Like just, just walk, seeing him be walk around and be kind and engaging with every person. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think it's just a way to be no matter who you are, you know, but to see, you know, someone on that level. Yeah. Be that way is really inspiring. I think it's, uh, Paul McCartney supposedly does this for people that are on tour with him whenever there's like a birthday or a, a road cruise, whatever, he like really makes an attempt to to try to make that person's day, you know, because he's like, well, look, like you could be at home, you know, or you, you could be someplace you'd rather yeah. be right with your friends and family. And here you're, you know, getting me queued up for <laughs> let it be for the 10,000th time. Right. And it's just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's like an attitude. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I've heard that about Paul McCartney. On, on the tour that you're doing right now, because you're, you're basically, you're doing a book tour, but you're also doing some comedy yeah, dates, yeah. no? Yeah, uh, right now, yeah, a bit of both. What's, do you have kind of the, the sort of the comedy uniform? Because every time I've seen you play or whatever, you always have the cool neckerchief. You got the cool, it, it's, it's a really, really nice, like this kind of shorter cut, double-breasted shirt jacket and, and the, the like cravat style thing. Is that, do you do that? Or is like, cause of this one, you're just bringing all hockey jerseys? No, I mean, I, no, I don't, I tend to not wear the hockey jerseys that often. Uh, though I did wear them. I did some TV interviews with <laughs> hockey jerseys on, but it's funny when packing for this trip, I asked my publisher, I said, should I pack hockey jerseys or dress like a gentleman? And he, ah. they said, dress like a gentleman. So I have, I have just kind of like what I would wear to dinner or something. Um, but no, for performing, it kind of evolves. And, um, you know, for a long time I wore suits, but then like, uh, they were kind yeah. of getting trashed. Um, it's hard. you fall yeah. down on your knees or, you know, yeah. if you're messing around and, and I ruined a lot of suits that way to where I couldn't, you know, like you can't, I just wouldn't want to wear it, walk around with it, a suit that had like <laughs> a black stain on the knee, you know? And then, so I started I stopped doing that and then I would, and then I started, yeah, like wearing more like different jackets and I used to wear more ties and I got the scarves I dislike uh, a lot and but I've kind of my new thing is um is jumpsuits a jumpsuit oh. with the scarf um I'm kind of getting more into that which is like in a way getting away from I think dressing up up committing to it a bit more in a way yeah a jumpsuit's a great tour yeah uniform. So I mean because it's I got yeah, those and I, there's scarfs and then and then I've been wearing I have a ton of shoes but I got this pair of uh trickers boots a little while ago that are just uh so good I kind of just wear them all the time almost look like pure like always always all day every day were those the ones you had when when we played together I think I probably did yeah like a black they're called I can't remember what but the, you know it's like a brogue country boot sort of thing yeah and they, okay and they have like the heavy the commando or whatever sole so it's really mm-hmm. good for um you know jump pedals you can really <laughs> jump around and good for pedals um so I'm really into those um and you know sort of a bonus is you know not that i make a habit of it but if you're in a rush and you uh grab a pair of mismatched socks out of your laundry bag or whatever you can just put you're like no one's gonna see my socks doesn't matter yeah yeah (laughs) no no big deal at all yeah so i do like um you said you talked about this in the book but like what what are some of your your hall of fame hockey jerseys here um, well, Quebec Nordiques, I would say is yep. all time greatest NHL Jersey. And then the Kenya Ice Lions is an amazing Jersey. And then Sudbury Wolves of the Ontario Hockey League, Canadian Junior, um, 
Their jersey is a wolf, as you might guess, but it looks like it was drawn by a child. And it it just, it kind of looks like, not a child, but it looks like a a kid did it in the back of like class. It's got blood flying off. It's got blood on the teeth. And like, it's just. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just looked this up. That's kind of gnarly. Yeah. Like no NHL team would ever have a logo that gnarly. It's totally badass. (laughs) And yeah, there's blood. There's blood in on his teeth and off of holy hell. Yeah, it's okay. it's amazing. The NHL they don't they don't really have stuff. They don't push it that hard because you know that I think they're you know they want to sell it to like someone's aunt you know and <laughs> so but them and then there's the Tampere Il- Ilves in in Finland. Tampere is like an hour hour and a half north of Helsinki, and that's a jersey I saw. And similarly, it's a Lynx Il- Ilves. I'm saying that right is finished for links and it's a links and it also looks like it was drawn looks like it was drawn by a, a, a younger kid than that drew the wolves logo but a, a kid like in the middle ages it's like weirdly <laughs> looks very old but and it's crazy looking like it it's crazy that like a top you know their version of the nhl team would have this kind of crazy looking animal but it's such a beautiful jersey and like their colors are like green gold and black and oh. i tried to buy that jersey on online but the shipping from finland was like 75 bucks for whatever reason oh yeah so i was like buying anything from the eu it's always nuts yeah so i was like I'm not, I'm not paying that. So I was just like, I'm just going to go, I'll go there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just buy a flight. That's, that's cheaper. So I did. I mean, it was part of the book, but I went, Yeah, I went to Finland and, um, and then the, the Finnish league, the Liga as as it's called, um, all, you know, all the players look like NASCAR drivers. They're just like covered in ads. So when you get like the player level, um, uh, jersey like authentic it's covered in ads everywhere and i kind of mourn that i really i really miss yeah when it was just a logo yeah so i but i um i was like well i kind of want the really authentic jersey but then they have one with no ads and then my buddy dan dratch came with me you know he was with me and i was like should i get the jersey with the ad it was like a hundred dollars more and he's like you're gonna pay a hundred dollars more to have stupid ads all over you but i'm like well i want to look like the players <laughs> and, but he's like that's stupid so he, fortunately he talked me down and i so i did get the jersey with no ads i i was ahead of this i was trying to make a list of like some of my favorite jerseys and also some of the worst jerseys but most of these are all like 90s era, but the San Jose Sharks, when the Sharks were biting, the shark was biting the uh, the hockey stick oh, in half. Yeah. That was a banging jersey. Tampa Bay Lightning, because it had fucking lightning on it. That's a good sick. one, though. Though I have to say, like, it is, I wish it had more color, just kind of more hint of violence and destruction. Well, I'm trying to... <laughs> Because the one that I had, yeah, it was the black one. And it just, yeah, it had Tampa Bay. Yeah, 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 because this was like a 90s one. Yeah, Yeah. that's a cool one. I don't think they have that one anymore. They don't do a black. I don't think. No. I mean, I looked at the current one beforehand and I was like, this is garbage. Yeah, now it's yeah. like a clean cut looking clip art piece of shit. No, that's thank a, you. That's exactly, I rip on that jersey so hard in my books. I'm glad, <laughs> that's exactly what I say. It looks like clip art to me. It's it's so bad. And it's but, just, um, it just, that's my gripe with the NHL. It's like Vegas Golden Knights. Like you could have a badass knight who's like pissed off and he's yeah. got like a mace or something. Yeah. And, uh, Instead, they have this like thing that looks like a logo for like a car alarm company or something. Just like <laughs> so disappointing. The the worst jersey, though, in my opinion of all time, and someone's going to be really pissed off at me when I say this, is the 90s St. Louis Blues jerseys with the ketchup and mustard stripes, the red and the yellow. And then you had the blues thing. But on your shoulder, this was the other thing is it was like a trumpet on each shoulder. Oh. And it's at St. Louis Blues. Um, But, you know, I, they brought back that vintage jersey and like the i think it was like the 2019 20 whatever 2020 season um but it was like at that time i remember when i had that it was the same color scheme as the carolina panthers which was a badass jersey too because that was like a red and a blue you know um yeah but the, the blues the blues one at that time was so so bad like i just i really detest it someone might think it's it's cute or whatever but like so bad i don't know yeah um yeah nhl jerseys 
It's a tough one. I think most of them are lacking. I mean, Seattle Kraken. What the hell is that? Missed oper- <laughs> it's just like the same thing. They're like, it's hinting at some sort of beast. Yeah. But just do it. Have the beast. <laughs> I want a beast on my jersey. What was, I'm trying to think, oh, what yeah. was the, the Minnesota one that was all green? It was the North Stars. Oh, the North Stars? Yeah, that was a sick one. That was kind of cool. Yeah, those are great. Those were great. Yeah, there's I mean, there there is it's interesting because I do think that there's there's such a market for vintage jerseys and jerseys and stuff. And I was like, when I was thinking about this more, I was like, oh, my God, like there's gonna be a ton of stuff. I mean, I've and plus, I think like, I don't know, are you do you have any like framed jerseys on your wall? Are you are you that guy? No. Um, <laughs> okay, good. I mean, if I had a house, maybe if I had a house in like a, some corner of the house that only I went to, maybe I, mean, I think I you're would, describing a, but... a, a man cave. <laughs> yeah, I refuse to. Maybe I would then, but I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like I, you know, I know people that collect like game worn jerseys and signed yeah, that, jerseys cool. and stuff. I'm not as much into that. Like because I like I I don't I want a jersey. That I don't have to like you know. I want to go like play with my dog in it. You know. I don't. I don't want to. Yeah, you don't want heirloom. Or be careful. No, yeah. I mean if I had like a like a Rocket Richard Canadians jersey, like yeah, I've absolutely framed that. But but mo- I mostly just want to wear them around. You know. Yeah. And I like I like the old like 70s like fan jerseys that are like that weird shiny material i don't even know what it's called oh yeah no i know what you're talking about like it's sort of ribbed a little bit for lack of a better yeah 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 not and it's shiny i can't remember what the material's called there was like a mesh uh, era too before it got like really stiff because i feel like or it could just be the age of like finding old hockey jersey fabrics but like they're very very stiff yeah yeah I have some of those. Yeah, it's there's good stuff. There's some good stuff out there. There's this company, Ebbets Field, that does these like wool. They do like like jerseys like from like they're made how they would have been in like the 40s. So they're like wool yeah. and they have the felt patches. And I my girlfriend got me one of those. It's pretty awesome. But then the the uh, moths got to it. So <gasps> oh, no. What are you going to do? R.I.P. But I got it stitched up. But yeah. I still wear it. Yeah, you could just be like, no, man, this is when I got into a fight with somebody. And (laughs) he he tended to uh, have very sharp fingernails, which is where the holes are. And, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, Dave, thank you so much for chatting. Before we wrap, though. Thank you. Is there any stuff you want to add or mention or plug in the book or any of that? Yeah, I think mostly mostly the book, The Awesome Game. And, um, you know, the one thing I stress uh, sincerely, not just because I'm trying to sell books, but I wrote it for as much as I wrote it for hockey fans who I think will enjoy it. I wrote it for people that don't care at all about sports or hockey. And I think it's enjoyable to read for for uh I think you can enjoy it without having any interest in hockey. I tried to do that. Well, um hopefully I succeeded. Well, yeah, I mean, to kind of jump on that for a moment, I think that's what makes a a sports book like have legs. You know, I mean, like take for example the extreme. This is I'm not like trying to hate on Bill Simmons, but the Bill Simmons book of basketball is like half of that. Like if that book was cut in half and it was just about how David Stern cleaned up the NBA and where the sports have evolved mm-hmm. and less about statistics and the argument of, you know, the five point line or three point line and all this other stuff like the history of that. But but more the history made it fun. But I think there's a lot of sports books yeah. that are so focused on the internal politics of it versus like just the joy of the game. And I think like that's what really gives a book legs and stuff in the long run is like, I, I just want to vicariously live through through Dave about the NHL and hockey in general. Like that, that sounds more exciting. So, I mean, I'm amped. Oh, yeah, that's what I tried to do. I mean, I, I was thinking not that I, uh, I read John McEnroe's mm-hmm. book and I thought it was going to be full of all the kind of stuff you want to hear from him but it was like really about tennis and stats and like getting into the he talked about the matches and it's like i want to hear about (laughs) what who was snor (laughs) yeah yeah you you want to hear all the other stuff and he didn't there's very light on that stuff and i was like maybe that's his like fourth or fifth book when he stops you know doing any sort of other commentating it's like the real truth you know my pumps weren't working and agassi was being a little bitch and da 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 and or some some sort of yeah, that's yeah. what you want to hear. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll, 
if I can, I'll leave you with this. Okay. If I can, I don't think this is uh years ago. I was flying. I was com- I think I was coming back to New York and I was at baggage and this like young woman, like, you know, 20 years old or something like bumped into me. And I was like, what? Like, and didn't say anything and kind of kept walking. I was like, huh. I was annoyed, but not sure. a big deal, obviously. And then, you know, when they have like the bags that oversize, whatever, they have like the bag graveyard uh, in the corner. So I went over there and I f- my bag was over there. And then I'm like looking for my bag and someone bumps into me again. And I look and it's the same woman. I was like, how did this woman manage to bump into me twice? Like in two totally different areas. Like, and then, so we're, neither one of us can find her bag. And we're both, we go over to the, the baggage counter and she's ahead of me in the thing and she starts yelling she's like yelling at the woman like being like i need my my stuff's in there and like where is it and she's going off and then she's like okay um and there's this guy standing next to her and i don't he's got a baseball hat on and she's she's yelling and i can't believe how loud she's yelling and in this whole scene and then the woman's like okay let's start over what's the name and the guy stand walks forward and he's like (laughs) McEnroe. And I was like, what? And then I look and it's John McEnroe and this is his daughter. And then I just started laughing my ass off because I was like, oh, my God, she's just doing what you did. Like when you were her age, she's she's yelling and is out of control and i just thought it was it was so fun i i was trying to like make (laughs) eye contact with him and be like look look what you did (laughs) look at look at your spawn mr mcenroe you you've 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 uh enabled and embodied like anger throughout your genetic lineage here like what's going on yeah and you know, I, I the only I wouldn't tell this like because it wasn't like the girl was awful. Like I'm sure she's a wonderful yeah. person. It was just funny and to it me. It sucks to lose your baggage. I understand. Yeah. That. So yeah. she. I mean, uh, and I've certainly gotten mad at people at the airport before, but it was just so funny to me to be like, I like all of a sudden I wasn't mad that she had, had annoyed me. I was like, I just was like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Dave, thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. I'll yeah, talk to you thank soon. you, Jeremy. See ya. All right, that's it for today's show. You've been listening to Blamo. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. We're edited by Amar Lal. Our theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You know what, though? I might get some new theme music. I don't know. Sometimes I'm burnt out. I don't know. But if you like what you heard, you know the drill. Share the pod with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, give us uh, five stars on Spotify. Give us 50 stars on Dingledop or whatever it is you're listening to the podcast on. You can follow us on Instagram for all the hot content at Blamo Podcast. If you want to talk to us, give us your hot take. We'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Last but not least, you feeling lonely? You want, you want to listen to more podcasts? You, you're like, I need more Blamo. Come on over to the Blam Fam. It is Blam. I don't even know what the website is. Yeah, it's patreon.com forward slash Blamo. We have tons and tons of exclusive episodes. We have Blamo Presents Die Workwear. We got the Triple J show. It's it's all all the all the talk you can handle. And we got the amazing Blamo Slack group. So I don't know. Check it out. It's amazing. Um yeah, it costs money, but you know, it costs money to live. So we're figuring it all out. So check it out. That's it. I'm out of here. I'll see you guys soon.